Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. From the evil of Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, raping his wife. From the evil of having only one woman that he loved, his Rachel, die in his arms in childbirth. From the evil of having Rachel, before she dies, name his last child, son of my sorrows, that he has to go in and correct and change his name to son of my right hand. From the evil of twice, nearly starving to death in famine, and from the evil of being removed from the land of promise to Egypt. Now, apart from that, he had a very peaceful and he had a very comfortable life. He had no problems, you know. I mean, what, what's there to complain about? But that was a life of over 20 terrible evils that he had to endure. And that none of us should ever have to endure one of them, God forbid. And so it was a very hard life for Jacob with all those evils. And that's why when he stood before Pharaoh in Genesis 47, 9, Genesis 47, 9, it says, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. He said, with all, you know, he's saying, with all those evils, I should have lived to be a thousand. I mean, if you put spread it over a thousand years, it'd be better, but it's really too short a time to spread out all, all those terrible evils. But here, as Jacob is looking back at all these evils, he says, the angel redeemed me from all those evils. I mean, that's, a, that's wonderful. Now, we've got to look at this in reality. And Jacob didn't always have that view. He didn't always have that view. I mean, there was a time when Jacob said in Genesis 42.36, Genesis 42.36, and this is written for our encouragement so that we don't think, oh, well, I could never be like Jacob. He was perfect. No. In Genesis 42, 36, it says, Jacob, their father, said unto them, to his sons. You know, the, the, the father is, has a great relationship with his sons. Anyways, it says, me have you bereaved of my children. You caused me to lose my children, he said. Joseph is not. You are the reason. I don't know the circumstances, but I don't think it was some beast really that, that caused me to not have Joseph. You were involved. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and you caused me to lose. Anyway, that's what he said. And you will take Benjamin away. And then he said, all these things are against me. He said, all these things are against me. Well, that was a low time in Jacob's life. Like, we all have low times in our life. But anyway, it was a low time in his life, and he recovered from that time and what's amazing now is that he's looking back over all these evils that happened to him. And by the way, I just listed the, you know, the 22 or 23, whatever it was. And I'm sure if Jacob was saying it was here, he would say, you missed one. You missed one. I don't know, but probably I did. But anyway, 
But he said, whatever the number is, in verse 16, verse 16, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, all evil, the Lord, in the person of this, the angel, rescued Jacob from every one of his evil troubles. And that's our testimony. That's our testimony. It's not that we are kept. It's not that Jacob was kept from evil troubles in his life. But we are kept, and Jacob was kept, from being destroyed by the evil troubles. And that's what Jacob is saying. Jacob is essentially saying what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.18. 2 Timothy 4.18. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Jacob is seeing that the angel, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, has redeemed him from all evil, just like Titus. This is what it says in Titus, Titus 2.14, Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now, the reason, the reason why was Jacob redeemed is because the angel later, the angel later is gonna pray a prayer in John 17, 15. John 17, 15, where he's going to pray, the Lord Jesus is going to pray, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. In other words, I pray not that you would just, you know, uh, just, just pluck them right up before all these terrible things happen. No, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. Keep them from the evil. Now, what we're seeing here as we're seeing Jacob do all this is we're seeing a man, Jacob, who wants his grandchildren, in Manasseh and Ephraim this part, to know where is the fount of blessing in life? What is the fount of blessing in life? I mean, Jehovah Jesus, whom he calls in, in verse 16, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, and then in verse 15, the God who fed me, which fed me all my life long, He's trying to tell his grandchildren, don't go to other fountains. This is the only fountain you need in life. What an encouragement for his grandchildren to hear Jacob tell them. He's, he's essentially what he's telling him is he said, look, he's saying to the little guys, look, God will never fail those who trust him. God will never fail those who trust him. That was the testimony of the martyr, Polycop. Martyr Polycop, who was going to be burned at the stake because he wouldn't renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they asked him, you know, this is why he's burned there at the stake. Is there anything you want to say? Do you want to renounce Jesus now? They offered him. You know, why don't you do that now? And what Polycarp said was that 86 years I have served him. During all the time, he never did me any injury. He never did me wrong. How can I blaspheme him who is my king and my savior? Now, Thinking about how God delivers and rescues, you know, it reminds me of what happened. One, one Sunday in, in, in England, there was a, a, a preacher that came to a church. He was a visiting preacher, so the people didn't know him. And so he, he told them that uh, actually he, he started off, he said, I've been to your church before. He started off that way. I've been to your church before. He says, uh, on that Sunday, it was really amazing because on that Sunday, there, there were three boys really rebellious boys that came into the church and they had their pockets filled with rocks. 
and they had determined that after the preachers started preaching that they would all throw the rocks at him. And so the preacher started preaching, and then one of the boys says, okay, now, throw, throw. And the other boy says, yes, throw. But the third boy says, no, wait. I want to hear what he has to say. So the, the other two boys, they, they went out cursing the boy who didn't want to throw the ball. And the preacher said, one of those boys was hanged for forgery. And another boy, the other boy died on the streets in misery. And the third boy is about to preach to you today. <laughs> okay, now, we see that, that after Jacob has been very specific as to who God is, very specific about that, he now wants to bless Joseph's children, and so he moves to be very specific again as to what the blessing is. He didn't just say, okay, Lord, bless them, that's a, okay, bless them, bless blessing on your head, mazel tov, mazel tov. No, I didn't do that. What he did was he, he was very specific in verse 16, and he said, he said in verse 16, bless the lads and let my name be named on them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. Okay, so Jacob wants Manasseh and Ephraim to bear his name on them. What name is that? That's the name of Israel, Israel. He wants the name of Israel to be on them. In other words, Jacob wants Manasseh and Ephraim to be a 100% part of Israel. Now, every Gentile believer, which there are a few here in this room now, every Gentile believer should strongly identify with these two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, and what's actually happening here. Why? Because, as I mentioned, Manasseh and Ephraim did not have a Jewish mother, according to the rabbis today, a person who doesn't have a Jewish mother is not Jewish. Moreover, Manasseh and Ephraim were not raised Jewish. They were raised uh, Egyptian. So for all intents and purposes, Manasseh and Ephraim were Gentiles. And what's happening in verse 16 is what happens when every Gentile comes to receive the King of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens here is what Jacob is calling, let my name be named on them. This is a ceremony of let my name be named on them. And what we're seeing here is what happens to a Gentile believer who, who comes to the Lord Jesus, the King of Israel, when that person becomes grafted into the vine, according to Romans eleven seventeen. Romans eleven seventeen speaks about how Gentile believers are grafted into the vine, included in Israel, included in the church, including, included in Israel, the church, the church of God. Now, what is commonly said to a person who receives the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior and his Lord is something like this. Oh, congratulations, you are now a child of God, you're born again, and you're going to heaven. But if anybody was to ask me, and nobody ever does, but if they were to ask me, then I would say, no, what you should say is that congratulations, you are now grafted into the vine of the Israel of God. You have joined that remnant of other Jewish believers who themselves have been regrafted in to the, to the vine, the Israel of God. And so you, along with the regrafted in Jewish believers, are the true spiritual Jews, as opposed to the majority who are unbelieving Jews and are not true spiritual Jews. And the Lord made this clear in Revelation 2.9. Revelation 2.9, when he said, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And if a Gentile says, how can this be? How can this happen? The answer is found in the word Jew, in the word Jew, 
which comes from the word Judah. Judah, as a matter of fact, in, 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 in Hebrew, they don't, they don't have the word Jew. They say Judah. They say, oh, there's a Judah. He just walked in. The Judah walked in. Anyway, because Judah was that singled out tribe who from Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 9, 6, produced the child that was born, who was the mighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as far as God is concerned, true spiritual Jews worship the king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, king of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they were Gentiles or born Jews who were regrafted in, as the Gentiles who were grafted in. And what Jacob meant when he said, let my name be named on them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac was along the lines of, may these boys, you know, Jacob, may these boys, or, or may Jacob, may Jacob, Abraham, and Isaac live through these boys, live through these boys. In other words, these boys should be followers of Jehovah Jesus and do the similar works as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's why it's so important for us to not just study Genesis so that, oh yeah, well, okay, we got to have in our mind, we, did, do you know what Abraham did? Yeah, I can win a Jeopardy quiz. Yeah. So no, it's, it's more important than that, than to know it, because we are studying those in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who we are to be like, who, who, who are to live through us by us following them as they were followers of Jehovah Jesus. Okay, now Joseph goes on to pray that the boys should be, in verse 16, let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Again, the Hebrew word behind grow into a multitude is that they should become like a swarm of fish <laughs> in the ocean. You ever seen anchovies swarm in a big, huge cloud? It's like, oh, man, they're innumerable. That's what he was saying. Let them become like a swarm of fish. Now, Joseph is watching his father bless his sons, and Joseph sees that his father, Jacob, has crossed his hands. You know, oh, no. Messing up all the work that Joseph went to to, to make sure that, you know, that Jacob was going to put his right hand on his firstborn. And he was thinking to himself, if I knew he was going to cross his hands, I would have switched the boys over, you know. But Joseph is watching them, and th- th- this really bothers him in verse 17. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He held up his father's head to remove it. From Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. Now, Joseph, you got to understand about Joseph. Joseph is a planner. He had planned out how to gather all the food during the years of plenty so he could feed Egypt during the years of the famine. And it took a lot of planning and it took a lot of ex- execution. So, you know, Joseph was not a whatever. He wasn't that type of person. He wasn't that type of person. He planned carefully, he verified, and he made sure that there was a precise execution of his plan. It was a big job. He is intolerant of deviations from his plan. Well, here Joseph has planned carefully for Jacob to put his right hand on Manasseh, and now he's, he, he, and now when he's verifying it, he's, oh no, dad has crossed his hand. This is a, a terrible deviation from my plan. And so it says it displeased him in verse 17. That's a little bit lighter than what it actually says in the Hebrew. The Hebrew says it was evil in his eyes. It was very disturbing. So much so that in verse 17, Joseph steps up. He takes a hold of Jacob's right hand to put it over on the head of Manasseh. I mean, he thought, he thought, um, he thought his father had made a big mistake. He assumes that, oh, well, in his old age, he's lost it. <laughs> this is a real dramatic scene here. This is a very tense 
as Joseph has lost his patience with his old father. And you feel all this tension of what's going on as Joseph loses his patience in verse 18 when it says, and Joseph said unto his father, not so, my father. This is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. There's a protest in Jacob's voice, Joseph's voice, as he deals with the problem of Jacob crossing his hands. Now, this is a great teaching for us because in Jacob crossing his hands is, is what is actually picked up on and rebroadcast in Hebrews 11.21. In Hebrews 11.21, this crossing in the hands is picked up on when it says in Hebrews 11.21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of, of Joseph. It means that by, when he was blessing the sons, by faith, it was by what he knew from God, he crossed his hands. The crossing of hands and this whole tense scene of not sell my father, and then, of course, Jacob's going to go on. I know it, I know it. Okay, it's here to teach us a great truth of the birthright issue, the right of birth. Now, Isaac, Isaac, Ishmael had the birthright, but Isaac, but it was Isaac who was God's man. Esau had the birthright, but it was Jacob, the secondborn, who was God's man. Manasseh had the birthright, but he put Ephraim over Manasseh. So Ishmael over Isaac, Isaac over Ishmael, and Jacob over Esau, and now here Ephraim over Manasseh. It's teaching us something. The lesson is to show us how wrong it is, how wrong it is to make an assumption based on birth that the blessing's gonna come. Now, this is the great problem that most of the Jewish people have today. What they think inside, may not say it openly, but what well, some of them, they do actually, they do say it, but anyway, okay. But what's really going on inside is what was said to them in Matthew 3.9. Matthew 3.9 is exactly applicable today to the Jewish people. When it says, think not to say, within yourselves. Think not to say, within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say to you, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So what do you think of that? Now, these were secret thoughts inside, secret thoughts. They were saying, yeah, okay, repentance, that's good, yeah, go and do all this stuff. But you know what? We have Abraham to our father. Nobody says it. It's inside of them, but they're thinking that. And what else comes from deep within the heart, the thoughts? Well, Mark 7, 21, Mark 7, 21, the Lord said, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, etc. And then there was also that rich man. And that rich man, he didn't say it. He didn't say it. But in Luke 12, 17, Luke 12, 17, it says, he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my, my fruits. And he says, okay, I'll build bigger barns. Now, this, all of this came to a head of relying on birth as opposed to, as opposed to faith. It all came to a head in John 8. In John 8 was a showdown. John 8 was a showdown. John 8, 33. They, the, the Jews answered him, we be Abraham's seed. They said it. We be Abraham's seed. We're never in bondage to any man. How sayeth thou you shall be free? Because previously he said, if the Son shall make you free, you'll be free. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. We covered that. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Sorry, that's where he said it. 
I know that you be Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, you do that which you have seen with your father. Oh, oh, another father is introduced here. They answered and said to them, Abraham is our father. We told you that. Abraham is our father is what they said before. Abraham is our Jesus saith unto them, oh no, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father, they said to him, well, we not, we be not born of fornication, which was a real backhanded slur. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Now, you know, they had just accused him of being illegitimate with that backhanded slur, so he says, okay, boxing gloves are off, so here we go. So he says, why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil. Whoa. And the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He's a liar and the father of it. Now you say, well, no, I don't get it. How can there be this great mass of Jewish people, God's people, and they, they are not true Jews? How can that be? Paul described it in Romans 9, Romans 9, 6. Romans 9, 6, he said, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all the children, but they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. So this crossing of the hands is very important because it teaches us that, 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 that it's, it, it, this is by faith that a person enters into to become children of God, not by birth, not by birth. I think we'll stop here. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Do, Lord, continue to re-speak it to our hearts throughout this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, 
meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 